I tell you, I'm amazed that they can get through the words of that song and uh, not have to stop somewhere along the way. Uh, Ain't no grave going to hold my body down. What a truth, isn't it? You know, the reason that's true is because of the greatness of, of our salvation that God's given us. Great and a mighty salvation. That through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have that promise that when we're absent from the body and present with the Lord, Christ brings us back for that great day of resurrection. No grave, no grave will be able to hold our body down. Jesus is a proof of that, and that's why we're here to praise Him this morning because of that great salvation. I we'll invite you to turn your Bibles, if you would, to Colossians chapter 1. I want us to see, as Paul writes, about how great our salvation is. You know, sometimes we th- take the greatest things that we have for granted in life, don't we? I mean, the ones that are closest to us, uh, that we love the most often, are the ones that we take um, grant, uh, for granted. And we uh, just uh, assume that everything's always going to be there and everything's going to be great. Well, one, the greatest gift that we have is the gift of the gospel of Jesus Christ, our salvation. And so we never want to be found guilty of taking our salvation for granted or thinking of it lightly in a, in a careless kind of way. And so uh, the scripture reminds us of how important it is. You know, Paul was writing this letter to the church at Colossae as he was imprisoned in a, in a, in a Roman home probably and uh, probably chained to a Roman soldier all the time. He was feverishly writing or dictating these letters that Paul was sending to the churches. And, you know, I can imagine the conversation that might, might have gone on between uh, that, that guard, those guards, and the Apostle Paul as he was writing these letters. And maybe that guard looked over and saw Paul. And I believe that uh, Paul so labored over these letters that it must have been intense writing receiving from the Spirit of God and writing these things that Paul wrote about his love and his deep care and compassion for the church. and So maybe these guards were really looking at Paul and seeing how hard he was working and saying, Paul, what are you writing? Well, what's, uh, what, what's so concerning you that you're, you're writing these letters? And he says, well, I'm at a place in this one where I'm talking about how great salvation is. How, how wonderful it is to know that Jesus Christ is our Savior. And the conversation that might have happened from there, Paul the soldier, it might have been the other side of it, and Paul might have said, hey, listen to what I'm writing and see if it makes sense to you. Right? And so Paul goes over what he really wants that soldier to hear. I don't know. Just thinking about those things and how wonderful they are. And, and so he really reminds us of that greatest thing. You see... The greatness of salvation is, is in the Lord Jesus Christ, isn't it? I mean, it's because of His sacrifice for us. Salvation, I believe personally, and we talked about it the other morning in our Psalms Bible study, uh, that I, I believe the greatest miracle that God uh, has done and God continues to do, it, it isn't even creation, as awesome as it is, listen, I know, that over a period of time, God created everything over those days of creation. Uh, and, and yet I know how, how powerful and how incredible all that is. But I really believe the greatest miracle is when God saves someone. 
that, that when he imparts life to them, that when that lost, separated unbeliever comes to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, believes in him, calls on his name, and then God gives him a new birth, a, a, a new beginning. I, I love what he writes in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, where he says, If anyone is in Christ Jesus, they're a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I, I really believe that that's the greatest of miracles. I believe the gospel of salvation is the greatest promise that God gives. That because bound up in that truth of the gospel is help, isn't it? It's, it's the sense of being rescued from our sin and our separation from God. That's what salvation is, isn't it? It's having a great rescuer come and rescue us, Jesus Christ. It's the help that we need. It's hope, isn't it? I mean, hope that things are changing, that things are better, our future is secure. All those things that we have bound up in that hope of the gospel. And then it's heaven, isn't it? What's better than heaven? Right? Um, all those things are a part of God's promises that are connected to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our salvation. Salvation, listen, salvation cost the greatest price, didn't it? I mean, if it's not the greatest, why would it cost the greatest? Why would it be so expensive? Paul writes in these verses, we're going to look at one of the things he says, having made peace through the blood of his cross. That's the price of our salvation. The blood of his cross. How great is that, right? And so as we begin to think about that this morning, follow along with me if you would in Colossians chapter 1. I want to begin in verse 19 and read through verse 23 and we'll stop there this morning and come back and consider what the scripture says. It says, For it pleased the Father that in Him all the fullness should dwell and by Him to reconcile all things to Himself by Him whether things on earth or things in heaven having made peace through the blood of His cross. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by the wicked works Yet now he is reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you continue in the faith grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard and was preached to every creature under heaven for which I, Paul, became a minister. Bow with me if you wouldn't. Let's pray this morning. Father in heaven, thank you today for the eternal good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ that offers us hope and salvation. Thank you for how great salvation is. Lord, thank you that it's not only miraculous, but Lord, it's so meaningful to us in our lives today, the most meaningful thing. And yet, Lord, you prized it so much that you would come and offer up yourself, your life, so that we could hear and believe and live and have salvation. Thank you, Lord, that you remind us of how important it is and how others need to know 
what you say about eternal life. So, Father, please take these verses this morning. Uh, Many of us need encouragement here this morning. Lord, encourage us with these words. Father, uh, some of us here this morning need to know what these things mean and understand these things. Help us to understand. Father, help us to realize the value and the love and the depths of your love for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You know, as we think about how great salvation is and how wonderful it is to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. First of all, Paul begins to explain in in what he's sharing here with us uh, the course of salvation. In in other words, how it takes root or what it means for us and and how it begins and, and, and how it comes into our lives. You know, what I get excited about, one of the things is that Paul writes in, uh, uh, in uh, verse 19, in talking about the course of salvation, is that he reminds us that salvation is something that God wants to do. It's something that he wants to do in our life. Isn't that wonderful? You know, all, all the pain and the cost that God had to go through to save us, and, and yet it's something that he wanted to do. It's something that God continues to want to do in people's lives. You know, Paul says, for it pleased the Father. And then he goes on and describes all the things that that are part of our salvation. But it pleased the Father. Now listen, I take joy in that, don't you? Know that, that, that God's gift to us is something that it pleases Him to give to us. That, that it's something that, that God enjoys, that God loves to do on our behalf. When, when I think about the rebellious, lost person I was... It's hard for me to imagine why God would be pleased in giving me salvation. You know, as human beings, we don't understand that. Usually people that offend us and usually people that wrong us or usually people that take advantage of us, we don't, we're not pleased in giving them anything, are we? Except maybe what they deserve. <laughs> I mean, uh, we, we would rather offer vengeance as grace and, and, and mercy. But yet it pleased God. Even in our sinful state, our rebellious state, it pleased God to to give us salvation. I I love what Paul writes also in Romans chapter 5 when he says that for God demonstrated his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, it pleased God to save us even when we were rejecting him. How many of you, maybe your story of salvation is somewhat like mine, even though all of our stories are different. Uh, But but I was resisting God in in Him approaching me. God was convicting me that I needed to know Him as my personal Savior. And all along for months I spent rejecting God or, or, or trying to run away from God, away from that gift of salvation. Can you imagine that? You know, knowing what I know now, how foolish I was then. Right? But that comes with experience, doesn't it? But, but I was running away from God and rejecting His love and, 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 and His drawing me to Himself until I got to the place where I couldn't. I, I had to make, I, and I felt like in my life that this was it. That, that that moment when I prayed to receive Jesus Christ, that this was my last chance. If I didn't do it, I wasn't going to have another opportunity. And, 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 and with all of my heart, I gave my life to Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And it pleased Him to offer me that opportunity to be saved. 
It, 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 it gave him joy. Scripture says, The Lord is not slack. Peter writes concerning his promises, As some count slackness, but long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God wants to save people today. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, or not sure about your salvation, listen, it pleases God to offer you the opportunity to know Him and to believe in Him. It brings great joy to the heart of our Father as He reaches out to you and says, Come and, and, and believe in me. What an amazing thing. It's something that, that God wants to do. John the Baptist said in his first uh, sighting of the Lord Jesus Christ with his disciples, he said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And, and in other words, John was saying about Jesus Christ, Here he is. God's offering, God's sacrifice for the sins of the world. It pleased God. It pleased God to save us. For whosoever calls on the name of the Lord, Scripture says, shall be saved. It's pleasing to God. He wants to, to save you. And so, through that knowledge and that working of God, we come into a relationship with him because he wants to save us. You know, another thing that Paul writes about this course of salvation also is not, not only is it something that God wants to do, but also it's something only God can do. Only God, only Jesus Christ can save us. There's, there's no other way. Verse 19 says, But it pleased the Father that in him, in Jesus, all the fullness should dwell. In other words, Jesus Christ is not only everything that we need to be saved, but He's done everything that we need to be saved. And He's the only one that can save us. You see, that, that in Him all the fullness should dwell. Jesus came in the flesh fully God to satisfy Himself for the offense of our sins that we committed against Him. Isn't that amazing? Our sins are so offensive to God that only He can make us right with Him. That we have no power. We're powerless. There's nothing that we can do. There's nothing that we can change. There's no right way that we can in ourselves be right with God. Jesus came to satisfy Himself because the offense of our sins was so great to Him. Isn't that amazing? Only He can save us. He's our only hope, the Bible says. Jesus told the disciples as He was about to, to, to be crucified, He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me. Jesus w was telling us and, and, and reminding us that there's, there's no way. There, there's no things that you and I can do to right our wrongs before Almighty God, a holy God. You know, a lot of people think a lot of different things about religion and about how to be saved and all that kind of thing. There's a world of, of false understanding about how to come to God out there and all kinds of things. You know, as, as prideful human beings, we'd like to think we could save ourselves, wouldn't we? 
We'd like to think that, hey, I can do something that will make God so happy or need me so much that He'll just accept me the way I am. Well, let me tell you what, that's a lie. That's a lie. And that lie will keep you forever separated from God. You know, a lot of people think, well, you know, it's just maybe I need to do some religious things. You know, I'll, I'll follow these certain golden rules and do these certain things and, you know, I'll, I'll eventually overcome my, my bad stuff in my life. Listen, that's just rehabilitation. That's not regeneration. You might become a better person, but you're not going to be better off for it. Still going to be separated from God. And what we need is Jesus Christ to save us. He's the only one who can save us. Something only God can do. And another thing is, not only does He want to, and not only is He the one, only one who can do it, but listen, it's something we need God to do. We need God to do that for us. We, 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 we desperately need Him to do that. Look at verse 20. And, and, and listen to what Paul says. For, and, and by Him to reconcile all things to Himself, by Him whether things on earth or, or, or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of His cross. You see, we need Jesus Christ to do this for us. Salvation is something everyone needs. He talks about the scope of people on earth, the people that are in heaven, They've already known the salvation of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus Christ died for all. You know, I've had a, a lot of people who ask me, you know, well, you, you know, if, if people need Jesus Christ, well, you know, what about Joseph who died before Jesus Christ? Or what about Abraham? What about Father Abraham who, who died before Jesus Christ came and offered his, himself as a sacrifice? Is he in heaven? Was he in heaven before Jesus died for for him? Let me tell you, listen. Abraham looked forward to Jesus Christ and the sacrifice of God. You and I have the luxury of looking backward to that sacrifice. Abraham's sins were paid for just like your sins and my sins are paid for. Paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the only sacrifice. The, the, the only way, whether it's Adam and Eve, or whether it's the last one who'll call in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we're all saved through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need that. He, he, he's, the, the, the world needs that today. Everyone needs the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, humanity is universally condemned and separated from God when we're born. We're born sinners. We're born separated from God. You know, how many times do you guys, you guys, most of you in here this morning are parents. And the best way I can describe this thing to you is from a parent's point of view because it's amazing how much we know about God by being a parent. (laughs) But, But how many of you, when you had that sweet little baby... And you went and, and brought that sweet little baby home, little girl, little boy, whatever. Uh, and you brought them home, and they were perfect, weren't they? I mean, can you believe? That's what Jackie and I thought. We had the two perfect babies. I mean, you just look at it, and they were perfect. And then they started to grow. <laughs> right? 
And then we started to discover as young parents how these perfect little babies weren't really so perfect. Right? I, I mean, and, and what we found out is, you know what? I didn't have to teach him how to be, be mean. I didn't teach him how to disobey. What I struggled with our whole life and still do today is teach him how to do the right thing. How to honor God and how to respond to Him and how to trust Him. And, and, and so we're born with that sin nature. All of us are. And universally, we're all lost and separated from God. And our only hope is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and receive His gift of salvation, be born again, and, and come into that relationship with Him. And outside of that, there's, there's no hope. But, but yet the world is in that condition. And, and we're, we're called to be messengers to that world of this good news. And so salvation is something everyone needs. We all need it. No exceptions, no exemptions for all of sin and come short of the glory of God. And then salvation also is, is not only a universal need or something everybody needs, but salvation is also a personal need. We have to realize that personally. Hey, it's one thing to say, hey, everybody's lost, everybody's separated from God. But then now it has to become personal. A, a, a personal thing where we begin to understand that we need Jesus Christ. Why, why does it need to be personal? Because listen to what Paul says. First of all, he says we were enemies of God, doesn't he? He says, and, uh, uh, and to him reconcile all things to himself. And then the end of verse 21, he says, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Right? Uh, why do we need peace? Uh, is because, wh wh why do people need peace? Because they're at war. And, and people that are at war with each other, we call them enemies, right? Paul mentions that a little bit further in verse 21. He says, and you who once were alienated and enemies. Enemies. So we're, we're at war with God and we need peace. We need to be at peace with God. In, in a sense, we've had this, this, this global rebellion against God. This cosmic rebellion against God as mankind. And, and what mankind needs, what we need personally, individually, is to, be, is to be at peace with God. Now, the only way for you and I to be at peace with God is that there, there, there had to be a peace offering. A, a, a way to atone for our sins. You know, every peace treaty has terms to it, doesn't it? I mean, if you look historically at two, two enemies, two countries in conflict, two powers together, when they came to peace, they had a treaty, and that treaty had conditions in that treaty. And, and that, that treaty that we, we make with God is, is accepting His terms, right? We don't come to God on our terms, but we come to Him on His terms. And those terms that God demands for you and I to come to Him on... Is, is for by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And so we come to Him for, for that peace that we need. To be at peace with God. Listen, and, until we're at peace with God, we'll never be at peace anywhere in our life. 
Now, there may be times in, in, in our lives that we, that we find this, you know, that, that people are, who are not believers, there may be times where they, everything's going okay and, and, and all that, but there's never that peace, that sense of being at peace with God until we come to Jesus Christ needing peace. He goes on to verse 21, and, and, and so, listen, we're enemies. Uh, the Bible describes us as the enemies of God. Have you ever thought of yourselves in that way? I'm an enemy of God? No. Not anymore, for sure. I, I didn't, when I was lost, I didn't even think of myself as the enemy of God. I didn't even want that label. <laughs> but, but I found out in the Bible, that's really who I was, an enemy of God. But, but he goes on and says, we were alienated. And you who once were alienated... Paul says, you know, he's talking to believers now, but he's talking to them about when, before you became a believer, that you were alienated from God. Now, now that alienation is, 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 is a sense of, of, of things that are in conflict with each other, aren't they? Have you ever known two people, maybe a married couple, and they were having problems in their marriage and and so they, you, you know, we've got a legal term, alienation of affections, you know, that, that we, we were just alienated, that, that, that there were so many things that we were in, in conflict with God about. And, and, and that alienated us from, separated us from Him. All right? And, and so what, what does He say? And uh, you were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now He has reconciled. In, in, in other words, we were... We were so consumed with everything except God that it caused this alienation in our affection toward God. Now let me say, praise the Lord, that God's affection was always constant for us. But our affections for this world, for ourselves, for everything else but God were, were so strong that it put us in conflict with God, alienated us from Him. And what needed to happen? We needed to be reconciled, didn't we? In other words, we needed to come to a place where we saw things the way God saw them. That's the work of the Holy Spirit, isn't it? When He begins to convict us about our sin and, 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 and about the righteousness and the goodness of God that, that, that draws us into a relationship with Him. We needed to be reconciled. And, and, and only God can do that. Uh, another thing that Paul wrote about that is that in this reconciliation and in this alienation, uh, we needed that peace from God. So salvation is a personal thing. You see, God deals with us individually, doesn't he? Even as his children, God deals with us individually about our love, our devotion, our commitment to Him, um, our, our faith and our confidence in Him. He begins to deal with us in all those things. And so, all of a sudden, we see the course of salvation. Well, Paul goes on about this great salvation. He gives us another thing. He talks about the change of salvation. You see, salvation in Jesus Christ changes us. God doesn't make peace so that we can continue to be rebels, does He? I mean, what's the point in that? Why, why would God save us and, and, and let us continue the same way that we were going? 
Where's the glory for God in that? But what God has done, he's, he's, he's come into our life to transform us, Scripture says, uh, and, and to change us. Jesus didn't give up his life so that you and I can keep thinking and living the same way. That, that he calls us to change. Now, Paul gives some things. He says in verse 22 that in the body of his, his flesh through death, that's how he, that's how he accomplished our salvation, uh, to present you holy. Now, listen, this presentation that, that Jesus is making, it, look at the end of verse 22, in his sight. In, in other words, that in Christ, that, that we're positioned in these ways that, of how God sees us. He says, uh, holy. Now, the idea of holy is to be set apart. Set apart exclusively for God. That's what it means. You know, the Bible talks about the different implements in the temple. And those were set aside. They, they were used for one thing and one thing only. Right? And they were used for, for worship and glorifying God. Whatever, whatever thing it was in the temple. Whether it was the altar or whether it was the laver or whether it was the, uh, the, the, the table, all those different implements in the, in, in the tabernacle or the temple were there for one specific purpose and that alone. And they were used to bring glory to God. And so the idea of you and I being holy is that we have the understanding that God sets us aside specifically for Himself. For him to use, not the world to use us, not for other people to use us, not for us to use ourselves, but for God to use us. That we're holy and separated from himself. Uh, you know, the, well, um, well, God calls us to be holy before him. Uh, and uh, he sees us that way. God sees us as belonging to him. In, in other words, uh, uh, you, you know, the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit is, is God's seal on us until the day of redemption. That when God looks at us, He sees the evidence of His ownership in our lives. Hey, that one's mine. She's mine. He's mine. And, and they're mine to use uh, in, in my eternal plan. Now, the thing is, is that w- we need to shift our thinking in God's direction. The more that we begin to see ourselves as set apart, belonging to Him, therefore uh, a very special purpose for Him, then the more we'll be excited about honoring Him with our lives. The less distracting this world's going to be to us uh, by by presenting things to us that draw us away from, from being intent and passionate about God. So he says, holy. He, he used the word blameless, uh, without blemish. Uh, you know, that's what the, the temple sacrificed. That was requirements for it, wasn't it? That you bring a sacrifice that's without blemish. Now listen, um, we're not perfect, by the way. In case you hadn't figured that out about yourself, let me be the first to announce that to you. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. Uh, and, and, but, but yet, what, what's he talking about here? In other words, we strive to live for God and for Jesus Christ every day. 
it, it ought to be our, our deep heart's desire to wake up every day and say, hey, this is the day the Lord's made. I will be glad and, and, and I'll rejoice in it. In other words, I'll, I will serve him in it. You know, and, and so strive for that. The, he says above reproach is kind of similar to blameless, but it's no charge could be made against you. You know why no charge can be made against us? It's not because we're perfect. <laughs> but it's because Jesus paid for them. <laughs> it's because they're paid for. Uh, G, uh, Paul talked about that in Romans chapter 8. When, when he talked about, you know, that, that God loves us. And, and who can bring a charge against the elect, right? Uh, and then he goes all these different places. And, and, and really the answer is no one. Because we belong to Jesus Christ. And if there's going to be any accusations against us or any charges brought against us, it'll be by Jesus, not by anyone else. And so he says that, that, that God is, our, his aim is to transform us um, and change us. Then finally, in verse 23, there's the confidence from salvation. That as believers, we gain a deep confidence in our lives because we're saved and forgiven of our sins. One of those things has to do with faith. If you look at verse 23. If indeed you continue in the faith. Now notice Paul says the faith. Not in faith, but he says the faith. You know, the idea of faith has a couple of different uh, understandings in the Bible. Uh, when the Bible talks about the faith, it's talking about the, the, the revelation of God, Right? It's the things that we know about God. That's the substance. That's the, the uh, content of our faith, isn't it? Uh, when, when we think about the faith, we, we're thinking about salvation. We're thinking about sanctification. We're thinking about glorification. All those things. That's, that's the faith, isn't it? It's what we have our faith in, Jesus Christ. It's how God has revealed through His Word the things that as believers, as Christians, we believe in. It's those principles about how we practice life as Christians. That's the faith. And so not only has God saved us, but, but He's given us a content of understanding that we can rest our lives on. The faith. He says... The, in other words, grounded and steadfast. The faith becomes our foundation. Our foundation. We build our lives on that foundation. He says in verse 23, If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope. In other words, no matter what the storms or the trials or the struggles are that we're going on to, if the faith is our foundation, then we'll be sustained. Right? As long as we keep living on the foundation of the Word of God, that we'll continue through the storms. Hope is another one. Salvation gives us hope. Not moved away from the hope of the gospel. Right? How wonderful and how needful is that today? That we have hope. No matter what the world wants to tear away from us. What it wants to take away from us physically. It can never take away from us the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It can never take away our, our, our home that's reserved for us in heaven. 
And that's the hope that we have as believers. Paul told the Thessalonians, he says, I want to comfort you as those uh, that, that when you face death, you won't sorrow as those who have no hope. And what Paul was talking about is the resurrection. It's our hope. And then he talks about purpose. The gospel gives us purpose, doesn't it? I mean, it gives us a reason for being. <laughs> Listen to what Paul says at the end of verse 23. He says, uh, which, um, he says, the hope of the gospel, which you have heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. Paul saw the purpose of his life was to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. That my one and only calling is to present the gospel to people who need to be saved. My main thing. You know, how many times have you been asked the question over the course of your life, who are you? Who are you? Where do we start out with that sometimes? Well, I'm, my name is so-and-so. But that really doesn't answer that question, does it? Or, I, for me, I pastor at Garrison Baptist Church. Well, that really still doesn't answer that question. Yeah, I, I, you see, I think for the believer, whoever asks that question, who are you? It has to be a witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am someone who's experienced the greatness of salvation looking to share it with somebody else. That's who we are. Bow with me and let's pray. Father in heaven, we're so grateful to you. So incredibly thankful for the greatness of your salvation. As we think about that song, ain't no grave going to hold my body down. And that is true. But it's true because of the greatness of salvation. And yet we understand behind all that is a great Savior. And He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. So as we think about these things, Lord Jesus, how incredibly awed we are and taken back by the pleasure that you have in saving people. that it pleased the Father. And Lord, I just pray this morning that you'll help us to understand that identity that we have in Jesus Christ and who we are are those who bear witness of a great salvation. For it's in your name I pray, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. I want to invite you this morning to stand together, if you would, this morning. Just uh, think about how great that wonderful salvation is. You may be here today, and you know you're just not really sure about what that really means or 
or what that really involves. Uh, you know, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. That there's never a moment when Jesus isn't looking, waiting, pleased with someone who calls on his name, trusting in Jesus Christ as their Savior. Now, maybe this morning that you feel like God's drawing you into a relationship with him. If you are, then I want to encourage you. I'll be up front. I'd love to share with you about how you can invite Jesus Christ to be your Savior. You may not be comfortable coming this morning. I understand that. If that's the case, then please just let me know. And uh, we'll sit down and have a talk about Jesus and about salvation. Maybe other things in your heart this morning. You may be so excited about how God saved you and how He's continually working in your life. And you just want to come this morning and say, Hey, Lord, I'm here to celebrate you. Thank you. Thank you for a great salvation. You can do that today or maybe it's your choice or God's leading you to join this church, be a part of this family. You can do that also. Uh, but um, however, however that direction might be, then just want to encourage you to follow God this morning.